You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. I mean, I have many strategies, but I would argue probably the strongest one is really taking the time to look somebody in the eye, ask a question, and really listen completely to the answer. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. See if you can follow the breadcrumbs on this one. It's got a TED Talk theme. When I launched the show in 2016, my buddy Jill Bolte-Taylor leapt right in, joining me to talk about curiosity and our brains for episode number three. Jill was already famous by then, having given the first TED Talk to really go viral, all about her experience as a brain scientist bearing witness to her own experience of a stroke, and then her recovery, and the profound lessons she took away from the, about what's really important in life. Perhaps you've seen her with Oprah. That was back in 2008, and I'd never heard of TED Talks before Jill gave hers. But I quickly became a true devotee, turning to those 20-minute inspiring infusions at the end of long work days or when my own thinking felt stymied or stale. I love a good TED Talk. In 2010, being the TED fan that I was, I attended a TEDx talk, the poor man's access to TED Talks, in D.C. and enjoyed a day full of many ideas worth spreading. One of the speakers was Yoko Sen, a self-described sound alchemist with a modest-sized digital keyboard and a big vision that we could build a more humane world using sound. It was a cool presentation and memorable enough that five years later, when we both showed up for a course at the Impact Hub in D.C., I recognized her immediately. We soon became friends and have cheered one another on in various enterprises ever since. She is now busily traveling the world and reimagining the sound experience in hospitals and giving more TED Talks. It's pretty amazing, actually. Links to her work on my website. Check it out. So that's all to say that when Yoko emailed me to say that she'd met a guy, you guessed it, who'd given a TED Talk, on curiosity, no less, saying, quote, he is like sunshine, and asked if she could make an introduction, you know the answer was yes. And that was even before I listened to his talk, Is Curiosity the Antidote for Loneliness, or knew he was a lieutenant colonel and pilot in the U.S. Air Force, or that he had served as a White House fellow and senior advisor to the administrator of the U.S. Small Business Administration, or gone to divinity school, or until just recently held the COO role with Arena Labs, bringing the science of peak performance, creative mastery, and elite teams to modern medicine. What do you do with someone like that but have lunch? Which brings me, finally, to curiosity. In his aforementioned talk, Mike Morales called curiosity the gateway to connection. And it was for us exactly that. Curiosity was what had connected us. And that seemed like a great excuse to invite him in to elaborate on just that potential, to talk more about how choosing to be curious connects us in both work and life. So welcome, Mike. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. It's I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So 
Let's start. Do you, how do you define curiosity? I think there's a lot of ways to define curiosity, but I, I would I would argue that at its essence, curiosity is all about just being open to kind of the the unexpected, you know, surprises and gifts that life gives you, right? Uh, Susan Cain, who wrote the book Quiet, mm-hmm. uh, she posted something on LinkedIn a couple months ago about how we pass people on the sidewalk every day and we don't bother to look at them or ask them questions, but undoubtedly all of them have a fantastic story. Mm-hmm. And of course, they don't believe they have a fantastic story, but they do. And so I think what I love most about curiosity is just sitting with someone I don't know and asking them what makes them tick, what brought them to this day, and just really leaning into it and enjoying it. Yeah. So have you always thought of yourself as curious? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, you know, I grew up in a, in a very curiosity-inducing place, yeah. right? And, and kind of really a paradise in Puerto Rico surrounded by hibiscus and orchids and beautiful mountains and a family that really pushed you to pursue kind of whatever you were curious about. And so, yeah, I think uh, I think if anything, you know, life, the difficulties of life just make you less curious. And so, you you know, to the mm-hmm. point of your show, you, you really have to I've really had to fight to kind of hold on to the curiosity that I grew up with. To regain it, to regain right. it. So were there practices that you thought your family used that sort of encouraged your curiosity specifically? Yeah, absolutely. I think. Puerto Rican families, you know, at the risk of making a gross generalization, you know, we tend to be very, very tight knit, uh-huh. very boisterous, and we love to laugh and and retell stories. And so, I'm a big believer in the power of stories, as many people have been before me. You know, Abraham Lincoln's my favorite president for that very reason, right? Because he was a, Told a good an story. avid storyteller, yeah, and he could capture people's imagination and passion through through the power of a story. And so. My family would get together every single weekend in, you know, in the mountains of Puerto Rico, and we would sit in a, basically in a gazebo with a hammock and chairs all around, and everybody, young, old, and everything in between, would just share stories and laugh, and we'd all be talking over each other. But even the youngest among us, even when I was growing up, if I had a story to share, everybody would stop and listen, and and enjoy it. And so I think, you know, there was never kind of this sense of. Well, you're really young, and and the adults are talking right now, so don't right. don't talk. I mean, certainly there was a respectful aspect of not interrupting, but but your ability to share a good story was just really rewarded with laughter and just joy, and and that just really kind of became a part of me. You talked about moving, using curiosity to to as the antidote to loneliness, and I think of that, you know, in the context of this show, in both the context of work and life, and you've had this really interesting life experience through a lot of different kind of work settings. So I was really interested in kind of how you've seen curiosity work in those kinds of settings to build that community and combat loneliness, because that happens in both work and life, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, uh, especially as a, as a military family, you right. know, I have four, four young sons, so our family of six, you know, moved a lot over the last 20 years in mm-hmm. the Air Force. And you know, prior to 2016, we moved five times in five years. So wow. all the challenges that come with that, you know, finding new schools, a church, you know, kind of plugging into new neighbors, a new community. And what comes out on the other end is just a really, it becomes very difficult to just really become part of your community. And so you have to work extra hard, I think, uh, to meet people quickly, to be able mm-hmm. to ask good questions and learn people's stories and just find connection points. And I think that's translated very well into my into my career in that, I spent a, you know, the preponderance of my career 
working with foreign governments and foreign militaries, you know, almost two whole years of my life working with the Afghans very closely. Mm. And so in a place like Afghanistan, for example, you know, you uh, in 2007, I taught English to about 50 Afghan pilots and air crew. Their lives are very different than my own. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And I could read all the books that I want before I show up to kind of understand the landscape. And I did that. And I can talk to a lot of really smart people who have spent time there. But ultimately, you know, what what made the time full and what really made those relationships that I still maintain today, people that I saw, you know, eight, nine years later when I went back as a squadron commander and people that I still talk to today, as well as the understanding that you're never really going to know their lives fully, right? But you're never going to be able to sit with their families and have dinner. It just wasn't allowed. So you have to get really good at asking questions and you have to really be open to the, to the responses, some of which you're really not going to understand culturally. And so you really, your curiosity allows you to ask good questions, really listen to the story, but then also find really valuable connection points between their story and yours. And I would argue that's really what kept us safe, right? The Afghans are amazing people, but it was still a very dangerous environment. And so your ability to really make connections with people that you're working with day in and day out is really, I think, what what kept my team and I safe. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that. And I'm, I didn't know that Abraham Lincoln is your favorite president. But so maybe you know this quote already. But he had the line that I don't like the man. I must get to know him better, which is to me exactly what you're talking about. That you need to spend that time to sort of understand people. And as you were talking about, well, you hear things and maybe you don't understand the social context. You don't really understand even the import some of what you're hearing, whether you like it or you don't like it, it's still information that you're wanting to absorb and to drill into. And when we hit something that we don't understand, to spend time trying to understand it rather than just like, well, that's wrong. You know, I don't get it, so it's wrong. I completely agree. And I think, you know, the more they were willing to ask questions. So I spent, you know, you, you mentioned that I spent a year as a White House fellow and I was one of 16 White House fellows that year. And in that group, you know, I, I was incredibly humbled to have been part of that group at all because you had people like neurosurgeons and astrophysicists and CEOs oh, and all across the political spectrum. And it was fascinating because we became very, very close, certainly didn't agree on a lot of things, uh-huh. but we understood that we all brought a valuable perspective to difficult issues. And I think in this day and age, especially in our country, you know, we... We do exactly what you said. You know, I think a lot of times we we hear that some somebody believes something different than ourselves and we instantly put up a wall. Yeah. And we draw conclusions as to what type of person they are because they believe something or why they believe something instead of just asking. Mm-hmm. And I think you get to a point where you just really start to appreciate, you know, when people believe something even diametrically opposed to your own position because you know that they're an intelligent human being. They've probably thought this through. And as you start to kind of pull the layers back you just you just see an incredibly rich human being that actually shares a lot of the same things that that you love yeah you just happen to differ on a few things and and that's okay yeah yeah so you're a strategist so I actually wanted to talk about some of the strategies that in listening to some of the body of your work and and learning a little bit more about your career I thought he's got some very clear strategies that he uses and you you spoke to one of them kind of meaningful conversations. But what is that? What is a meaningful conversation? What is that distinguished from? Yeah, I think, you know, in in the TEDx talk, I I quoted, you know, a Cigna study that said that 47% of Americans don't have meaningful in-person interactions every Mm -hmm. day. 
And of course, you know, when people hear something like that, they, of course, put themselves in the 53% right away. They say, right. Oh, yeah. We're all I above have, average. Right. I have meaningful connections every day. I, I work around people. Yeah. And the reality is that you can be completely surrounded by people and be completely alone. And I think, you know, getting to your question, I, I believe that the reason for that is that we've learned to go through the motions of life and even ask other people questions without ever listening to the answer. Yeah. Or... Yeah drawing a conclusion as to what the answer is and, and our minds are just fantastic at hearing what they want to hear. And so I think I would argue, I mean, I have many strategies to your, to your point, but I would argue probably the strongest one is maybe, maybe one of the top three strongest is really taking the time to look somebody in the eye, yeah. ask a question and really listen completely to the answer. Yeah, really wait for the yeah, answer. Yeah, not imagine yeah. what the answer is going to be or say, all right, this person looks like this. Obviously, their answer is going to be X, Y, or Z. People surprise you know, me so much all the time and, and really put me to shame, right? Because I, the mind automatically draws conclusions at times. Uh -huh. And so when I leave myself open to an answer, sometimes I'm completely surprised and sometimes shamed by the fact that maybe I thought one thing and this person ended up being somebody totally different. And it just it just continues to humble me to fight against my own biases. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you have two or three more strategies. What's next on your list? I think, you know, I, I was telling someone yesterday, you know, I, I think I love talking to young people about how they approach life. And uh -huh. I certainly don't have it figured out. I mean, I, as we speak, you know, I've just left 20 years in the Air Force and I did this brief stint at Arena Labs, which I was super grateful for. And I'm unemployed and trying to figure, figure out, out what the next, next chapter, right. you know, which is both really exciting and terrifying. Yep, yep. But I think, you know, my strategy for life writ large, you know, has been I always have a plan. I'm a yeah. military guy, right? So I, <laughs> we always have a plan. But, you know, maybe because of the military, you know, we always say, you know, no, no plan survives first contact. You know, no, uh -huh. no matter how good the plan is, life just is beyond our control. And so I always have a plan, but I'm always, always open to how that plan might change. Uh -huh. And that wasn't always the case, certainly, right? My, my high school friends still make fun of me to this day that, you know, before I left high school, I knew what university I was going to. I only, I only applied to one. I knew what car I was going to have. I knew what I was going to do when I grew up. And of course, a lot of those things, I did go to the college I wanted to, but, but a lot of those things didn't quite work uh, out the way I had uh, envisioned. Life interfered, right? Yeah, and so I think that that just leaving yourself open to surprising things to happen, mm -hmm. you know, being observant to the world around you and to people around you. I think, you know, on the metro every day when I when I ride to work, I think, you know, people can look at you and say, maybe somebody's having a really tough day and they, they look at your face and they say, this is somebody that I can talk to maybe, mm -hmm. or this mm -hmm. is somebody I absolutely cannot talk to. Right. And it's not to say that I'm always in the mood to, you know, I mean, I'm human, right? And, and sometimes I just want to put my headphones in and just kind of listen to an audiobook on the way to work. But sometimes the impact of just listening to someone for a few minutes is, can be life-changing, I yeah. believe. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. So other strategies on the curiosity front? <sighs> I think, you know, when we think about curiosity, and especially as you talked about curiosity and community, Community certainly is people. So I'm very people oriented. I mean, mm -hmm. I think people is really what makes life worth living, right? I, you know, I, well, I, I could go on a, on a slight tangent about kind of my upbringing in Puerto Rico, but I, but I, I'll get straight to a strategy, which is just, I think there's an aspect of curiosity, which again, I, I mentioned briefly in my TEDx talk, which goes beyond people. And it's really kind of your surroundings, right? Mm -hmm. You, we, I would argue that we go through life 
kind of ignoring the world around us, not only people, but even, you know, the beautiful things that are here for us to enjoy, right? Today, you know, we're sitting here in the studio. It's a gorgeous day outside. I know, we should be outside, right? I know, this, <laughs> that would have been much better. But I think, uh, you know, I, I was out in, on my back patio yesterday and, and it's really green, you know, the, the leaves are coming in and birds are chirping. I, You know, there happened to be a fox in my backyard. Okay. And, you know, it's easy to just stay inside, right? It's comfortable inside. It's the right temperature. And, you know, sit on the couch and read a book or whatever. But going outside and just, you know, not to get too too zen, I guess, but but there's something really powerful to just kind of mm-hmm. just sitting and, and taking it all in that I think is an aspect of curiosity that many of us just don't think about, especially, mm-hmm. you know, those of us that live in urban environments, right? And sometimes it's difficult to to kind of, you know, sit in a park and absorb something that's beautiful. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it also allows you to sort of slow down and maybe listen to your own stories a little bit and listen to the stories of the world around you that isn't about the people so much, but the fox and or even just sort of the unfolding of the new season um, and that that presents for me anyway all sorts of things that I then become curious about right curiosity kind of begets curiosity I'm sitting there watching you know it's like oh it's so nice and zen out here on the deck but then I'm like huh what kind of tree is that and gee I noticed that that tree is blooming before that one and why is that and what is it about this tree that this happens and so you have also talked about the importance of embracing ignorance as a curiosity Absolutely. strategy, which is interesting from a guy who has been in such positions of power and leadership and authority, you don't always hear an appreciation for ignorance coming from that direction. So speak to that if you would. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's a there's a lot to that to unpack. But I, but briefly, I would say, you know, I. I legitimately believe, so my, my grandparents are, my grandmother will t- turn 90 this year. My oh, grandfather will turn wow. 89. They're fascinating people. They have amazing stories that I won't get into now, but, but they, they really kind of embody this, this idea that even at this age, they're hungry to learn new things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's kept them young mm. mentally, at least, which I think has physical, you know, physiological yeah, listen to repercussions. Us all. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think, uh, I think a lot of people are afraid to ask questions because they're afraid how they will be perceived. Maybe they're the boss mm-hmm. and they think that if they ask their subordinates questions, that, that their subordinates will think that they're not very smart or that they're not ignorant or they don't know what they're doing. And I, and frankly, you know, I, I thank the Air Force very much in that the Air Force is very good at, at moving you out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think about military people that everything we do is by, you know, do this and everybody just falls in line and does it when frankly the way that we're raised is you lead by inspiration if i ever Mm -hmm. have to tell you my rank or my position i've lost the leadership battle before it's even Uh. begun and about every year right about the time you're getting really comfortable in some job they say hey mike i want you to go do this other thing which i have no idea about Uh so you're kind of forced you can i mean there's several ways to go about it but you can either just muddle through it and do a really poor job yeah i think or you can go to the people that have been doing the job, the people, you know, usually you're leading people that are very good at what they do. And if you're humble enough to know that you don't know anything or very little, and you're willing to ask them a question, show me, right? Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. a, even as a 20 year Lieutenant Colonel, you know, I could go to a, you know, a 19 year old airman. This person has been doing this job for a year or two. 
they're more than happy to show you what they're doing and why. Mm -hmm. And number one is it's it's inspiring to them because they have some old crusty guy that's asked them a question, but it's super inspiring to me. I mean, to see the next generation just really, I mean, being proud of their work and and mm. I don't know, I, that to me, I think I've succeeded in the roles that I've been in because I've been willing to understand that I don't know it all uh-huh. and that if I am the leader in the room and I'm the smartest person in the room, then I failed. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. That sort of speaks really to another strategy that I have heard from you in terms of risk-taking and vulnerability. And I'm hearing that you've had the good fortune of actually having a career that has encouraged a kind of risk-taking and vulnerability and and sort of baked it into the structure, which is is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I feel very fortunate. Even as I as I'm ready to do something different, I'm I'm very uh, I'm very grateful for that life. So that is the other strategy that I that I think you use that for me was as I was listening to your talks a couple of different places and thinking about our own conversation previously over lunch and realized this is a man who lives with a great deal of appreciation and gratitude. And I don't think people always think of that as a curiosity strategy. And I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way, but would you expound on that a little bit? Because I think think it is one of your strategies. I agree. And I I think it's foundational, right? Because Mm -hmm. I think if you, you know, again, and I keep bringing it up, but I grew up in a tiny little town, right? Nobody in my family had... And really, I mean, my father, my both my parents went to college, but before them, no one really. Yeah. And so, you know, my family just kind of raised me with this with this mentality of, you know, you have to work really hard to get anywhere. Nobody's going to hand you anything. And I certainly have worked hard, but I think ultimately, maybe not ultimately, but along with the with the with the work ethic, came this incredible. You know, I don't know. I, I I'm incredibly grateful because there's been an amazing number of people that have really poured into my life, right? Mm-hmm. And they've been willing to tell me difficult things when I didn't want to hear them and, you know, kind of love me and encourage me when I was struggling or made a big mistake, which I've made many. So I think when, you, when you're able to acknowledge that, I think a lot of people receive that help mm-hmm. and quickly forget that mm-hmm. they've received it. And when they succeed... They give themselves the credit. Yeah. And so, you know, I personally, from my faith background, I thank God, you know, that he's given me intelligence and, you know, I don't know, just a smile, you know, that I like to use. And, and, <laughs> and uh, but really, I mean, to surround me with people that have that have just really taken the time to to help me get to where I am. And so I think when you look at your life and you acknowledge that it wasn't all you. Yeah. You approach life really with that openness because you realize that there's a lot of other things that have that have impacted your life that are beyond you. And so I, I think that is foundational to curiosity. I think it is. It's a kind of um, humility and a and a and also a sense of sort of um, what more is there uh, that there's something beyond ourselves. And I think that's sort of the essence of curiosity, isn't yeah. it? Well, and I would add, I think when it when it comes to curiosity and community. If you're if you have gratitude about your life, you're more willing to give others the benefit of the benefit of the doubt. So I think when you hear somebody that completely disagrees disagrees with you on something, you don't automatically jump to the conclusion that they're obviously wrong. You say, well, why do they think that? And yeah. You're willing to ask them questions about it, and you're willing to ask yourself questions 
about the situation. And I think you don't really do that if you're not grateful for myriad things in your right, own life. Right, yeah. right. Wow. I knew this was going to go quickly, but oh, man. So before I let you go, though, I do have my big jar of wannabe analogies. Right. You ready for this? I am. Okay. Okay. I think. So <laughs> reach in. Take a slip of paper. I'm going to take one as well. I'm going to take one for the audience. And we're each going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is on our slip of paper. And uh, I'll go first. How's that? Sounds good. Okay. Oh, gosh. Um, I have gerbil. <laughs> How is curiosity like a gerbil? Um, mm, I don't know. Curiosity is like a gerbil. Well, we often think of gerbils kind of on a wheel, sort of spinning, kind of going nowhere. But I think curiosity kind of spins, and it spins faster the more energy you put into it. So that makes me think of gerbils. They burrow in. They're kind of... Um, delightful and curiosity kind of burrows in with you and um, and it's delightful so that's how curiosity is like a gerbil I don't know what do you I have? like it so I have cupcake cupcake oh. and so there's there's a lot of potential ones here but I would say you know I have again I have you know four young sons and two of them really like to cook ah. um, I don't like to clean up after but they like to cook <laughs> and uh, and I would say you know curiosity is like a cupcake that your kids bring you that they've baked with love and it doesn't look the best, right? You're wondering what was in there. You're not exactly <laughs> sure that's going to be edible, but nonetheless, you know, you both for them and for you, you you're going to not only take a big bite out of it, but you're going to enjoy it. And then you take a bite out of it and it is the most delicious thing you've ever had. Right. And so I think curiosity is that way. It's a little scary. Sometimes you don't really know what you're getting into. Sometimes you don't know what the response is going to be when you ask a question, but more often than not, you're, amazingly surprised by what comes out on the other end. Nice. See, now I want cupcakes. (laughs) (laughs) And audience, yours is mountains. How is curiosity like mountains? Let us know. Facebook, Twitter, hashtag analogy. Well, Mike, thank you so much for saying yes to the lunch and yes to coming into the studio even on a beautiful day. Thank you, Lynn. This was so much fun and uh, I hope to do it again sometime. I, I hope so too. I hope so too. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up with this or any of the other great shows here on Radio Arlington, check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM. You can catch all my previous episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook. All at Choose to Be Curious or on my website at choosetobecurious.com. I hope you'll follow me there and on Twitter at choose number two, letter B, curious. Don't forget to send us your mountains analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Michael Morales. Check out his curiosity talk. Links on my website. Our theme music is by Sean Ballack. Sunday Lights by One Such Village from Blue Dot Sessions. In his first inaugural address, Barack Obama identified honesty and hard work, courage and fair play, tolerance and curiosity, loyalty and patriotism as American values on which the country's success depends. It's notable he had curiosity in that mix. So how might moving through our days with honesty, courage, and curiosity help us build community? I'll let you think about that. I hope you'll join me again next time. And until then, choose to be curious.
Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. Curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House Hunter. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com.